Hello and welcome to the Personal Investor Podcast. I'm Ed Monk. Today on the show, what can we expect from next week's spring budget? Jeremy Hunt is facing the usual barrage of demands for changes and reforms to tax and spending plans, but what room does he really have to deliver them? That's the focus today. If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. The government will update its tax and spending plans next week in the spring budget. As always, the rumour mill is cranking up with what's likely to be in it, with calls for tax cuts to boost growth on the one hand, but cautionary voices urging prudence on the other. What will we get when Jeremy Hunt stands up in the Commons next Wednesday? Well, to help answer that, I'm joined by Tom Stevenson, Investment Director here at Fidelity. Uh, Tom, welcome along. Um, I thought we could do this by looking at the various areas that the Chancellor himself will be looking at next week when he announces his budget. The first thing we're going to hear him talk about, or usually the first thing anyway, is the general performance of the economy with forecasts for the near term. Uh, What is expected there? Yeah, you're right. So the most budget speeches uh, kick off with uh, a torrent of numbers and um, uh, the chancellors uh, seem to enjoy flinging these out as quickly as possible. <laughs> you say bad. them, you say <laughs> them very quickly, then people don't notice how yeah. bad how bad they are. But yeah, so what what he will focus on uh, um, is uh, inflation and and growth um, and projections for those um, over the uh, over the foreseeable future um, uh, over the next few years, five years, uh, and also a look at the public finances. So. Um, uh, the, the balance between revenues coming in and and, and the amount uh, that they're going to spend, and actually, um, uh, unusually, um, the chancellor will go into this uh, budget with slightly better public finances than uh, than has been the case um, recently. The uh, January saw um, a, a bigger um, uh, uh, surplus in terms of um, uh, receipts, tax receipts were much higher than expected. Self-assessment receipts um, uh, came in very, very strong. And year to date, the government uh, has borrowed about £30 billion less than people thought it would have done at this stage. So um, this is quite an unusual situation. He goes into the budget with a little bit of headroom to, to, to maybe uh, offer us um, some positives. Well, we'll come on to whether yeah. or not that's actually going to happen. <laughs> it's a big if. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, and amongst all of that, I think the the thing that's going to get an awful lot of attention is the forecast for inflation. Um, because it's very high and it's a news story, but because also the government has set itself a target for halving inflation this year. Now, I don't normally make predictions for ahead of budgets, Tom, but I make this one, which is that the Chancellor will get up next week and will give a load of forecasts for the for inflation, which show it falling quite dramatically mm. this year. And the MPs behind him will stand up and cheer him and say, aha, this proves that everything's on track and aren't we so wonderful. But isn't it the truth, actually, that inflation was always likely to come down? It isn't really much to do with what the government is doing. And it's a pretty safe bet that the government has made that it will, in fact, halve this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they may well wave the papers behind the Chancellor. Um, No one else is going to be very impressed because... uh, the nature of inflation is just the arithmetic of in, in inflation. It's a year-on-year uh, comparison, which means that as bad figures from a year ago fall out of the equation, then 
naturally it, it becomes it becomes better and even if even if the government were to do nothing at all inflation would come down significantly so this is one of the easiest targets that the government <laughs> will ever um, set itself yeah and actually it, yes there's the mathematical effect and 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 to, to sort of underline that point we saw in the first six months of last year uh, all the, the real acceleration in inflation it's been very very high since then but uh, as some sometimes people say inflation is a measure of acceleration not a measure of speed as it were yeah absolutely and so yeah. so what has happened your, your is your GCSE maths coming out there yeah, very indeed. impressive <laughs> um, so we had those rises from six months ago and they will just simply fall out of the figures probably in about the summertime of this year prices are still very high they don't have to have fallen at all but that year-on-year change will will fall right back, and of course, there is some uh, deflationary pressure in the in the economy. I was looking at wholesale gas prices. I mean, they've fallen basically back to normal yeah. now. So, a lot of that sort of inflationary steam has come away as well. Yeah, and it's a very important point to make that that just because inflation falls to zero. Uh, cheers from the government side uh, it doesn't mean that things are getting cheaper and they're not and so for for households um, uh, life is still going to be difficult bills are still going to be high yeah and, and just finally on those economic data growth of course um, we're, we're kind of flirting with recession at the moment we've actually sort of steered clear of it um, albeit with growth really not above pre-pandemic levels uh, what would be good news when it comes to growth on Wednesday next Wednesday? Yes, well, I mean, anything positive, really. Uh, I mean, bo- both the um, the OBR, the Office for Budget Responsibility, and the Bank of England have um, recently put out some pretty depressing uh, forecasts for growth. Um, uh, the most recent GDP uh, figures uh, were a fall of 0.5%. We've actually got some GDP figures coming out later on this week, as it happens, uh, on, on Friday, and they're expected to show a very marginal increase, 0.1%. So uh, the, the economy is basically bouncing along, not, not, not growing and not really falling too much at the moment. OK, well, um, perhaps the biggest task that the Chancellor has got next week, just as he did last year when he delivered uh, his autumn statement, is not to do anything that's going to spook the markets. Inflation is still very high, still a big question mark about uh, the direction of interest rates from here. This is going to be a big factor in anything that he announces, isn't it? Yes. I mean, the autumn statement last year came hot on the heels of that ill-fated mini budget. And so uh, that was the main priority in the autumn statement. was to demonstrate um, uh, that, uh, you know, sensible people were now in charge. And, and that was really the tone of of the autumn statement. Uh, it, it's slightly it's slightly easier now. Markets have settled down somewhat. Bond yields have, have stabilised. Um, but they are still high. Um, but bond yields are rising because interest rates uh, are still rising. And there is still a bit of a premium because people are not quite sure whether they can they they can trust trust the government uh, and that's important that's very important for the government because the level of bond yields determines the cost of funding all the borrowing which which um, which the government I- is doing so it's really important that they do create this uh, uh, this sense of credibility um, in in statements like the autumn statement and and this uh, next week's budget yeah and and the point about that is you can't, you know, we, we spoke about may, there may be being sort of 
fiscal room to, to you know, there's a surplus and unexpected surplus and borrowing is lower than it perhaps was expected to be. But the problem is giving lots away via tax cuts, for example, which a lot of the Chancellor's party would love him to do, that is, broadly speaking, in economic terms, inflationary. That was the problem with the mini-budget, wasn't it? It wasn't necessarily that the budget, you know, wasn't balanced or the deficit was rising. Markets have got a pretty elastic view of deficits. You know, there's Mm. no set level of deficit at which they suddenly balk and start, you know, um, tanking the markets. Mm. It's it, in that instance, it was the fact that the markets took a simple decision that what the government was doing was inflationary. That was going to make the Bank of England's job harder. Rates were going to have to be higher or higher for longer. That's what the problem was, and so that's going to stay the Chancellor's hand. I would expect from a big tax giveaway. Yeah, there won't be a there won't absolutely won't be a big tax giveaway because um, uh, the 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 process of rebuilding trust in the government doesn't happen in six months you know Mm. that's the damage that was caused last September was very significant and so they're going to err on the side of caution they're not going to have a giveaway yeah well okay well that sort of slightly preempts our next discussion which is on personal taxes or taxes affecting our personal finances Um, now as always uh, it's the case that um, income tax national insurance they're going to be closely watched things like IHT capital gains tax but the reality is we already know what's happening in a lot of those cases we've got income tax and national insurance bans which are being frozen for another two years now listeners to the podcast don't need telling that that's effectively a tax rise because you are dragging people into higher rates of tax that's fiscal drag um and of course we've got uh, a a change around the top or additional rate of uh, of income tax so that the 45 percent tax rate is going to be applied from around 125,000 uh, as opposed to 150,000 so all these things taken together, we are seeing these changes. They have been announced, not yet enacted. It seems unlikely that the Chancellor is going to do anything on top of that. Yeah, there's an awful lot in the pipeline, an awful lot of um, quite damaging uh, stuff uh, for people's personal finances uh, in the pipeline. I mean, you mentioned that uh, that uh, increase, uh, or rather the lowering of the threshold for the, um, for the higher rate of, uh, of tax. Uh, from 150,000 to just over 125,000. You know, uh, d- doesn't sound like anything that most people are going to worry about because, you know, people are earning that kind of money. Well, yes, they can afford to pay a bit more tax. But something like 250,000 people are now going to be dragged into paying that higher uh, rate of tax as a result of uh, of this change. Um, that's 250,000 people who, you know, probably don't think of themselves as being excessively rich and they're, and they're now losing, you know, nearly half of their uh, income in income tax. And then you mentioned the, the, the freezing of allowances, that fiscal drag. It's the easiest way for governments to mm-hmm. effectively raise money because people don't really notice it. It's a kind of hidden theft, mm-hmm. if you like. Um, and many more people, in addition to those 250,000 dragged into the higher rate, many thousands of people will be dragged into 
the 40% uh, tax rate from 20, 20%, and that will make a significant difference to their personal finances. And then, of course, the, uh, the, the capital gains tax, the dividends tax allowances being halved progressively over the next two years. So, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, lot of chipping away happening over the next couple of years. Yeah, indeed. I mean, one area that, that um, has been the subject of debate in the last few days and weeks has been corporation tax. Now, that also is subject to uh, an announced change that's due to rise from 19% to 25%, quite a big rise, um, from April. Now, there have been calls, including from one Boris Johnson, that um, we should not go ahead with this rise, that it should be kept at a low level at 19% or certainly lower than 25%. Is there any chance that the Chancellor u-turns on this rise that we do to get i think i think not for the reasons that we talked about before i think it's a bit soon for for u-turns i don't think that this chancellor is in the is in the business of of u-turns now there is quite a strong argument for not raising corporation tax to to 25 uh, percent the, the cost of living crisis is not just affecting households, it's also affecting businesses. Their, their energy bills are, are, are rising fast. You know, if we're moving uh, in, into an economic slowdown, that, that obviously affects demand for their, for their products. Life is difficult for, um, for businesses. And of course, businesses are not just an abstract concept. Businesses are uh, people's lives. They're, in, mm. they're employers. And um, so it's a very tricky balance. Yes, the, the government's finances need um, shoring up. They need supporting and, 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 and raising uh, corporation tax is a very obvious way of doing that. And indeed, corporation tax in this country is pretty low by international standards. So it's, it, you can see why the government would want to do it. But it's not um, a costless exercise. Okay, well, uh, so far we're not um, we're not forecasting much to change here, Tom. But one area that the Chancellor might be able to to move on is um, certain taxes around different types of, of of spending. You know, smaller the smaller fry basically in a budget. So we had a reduction on fuel duty at the autumn statement that could be extended. It's the sort of thing they often yep. they often do. They might feel they can do that without really creating inflationary pressure. Um, there could also be an extension to the energy price cap. That was a very important thing through last year to keep uh, energy prices under control. But as we've mentioned, I think that those should be coming down anyway. Um, those kinds of changes might be possible. That's what we might see. Yes, and I think both of those are, are extremely likely. There was a, there was a five pence uh, reduction in fuel duty in, in the autumn statement. Um, very hard to see that, that being reversed. Um, uh, you know, petrol and diesel prices have come down quite a long way, um, but uh, I, I just can't see. I can't see that the government would want to be seen to be yeah. putting more pressure on really on, on motorists. To It'd be really, yeah. really uh, unpopular. And um, as for the energy price cap, well, I mean, the story going around. Um, I think this story was broken by the BBC recently. Uh, is that 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 is likely to be extended? Um, uh, from April to 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 July, which which makes a lot of sense because uh, there is the forecasts are that the that the off gem price cap is actually going to be down um, at uh, just over two thousand one hundred pounds by July. So it, it it seems a bit pointless to sort of push the 
cap up and then to take it down again in three months' time. Right. The cost of the government is not going to be enormous. The cost of the price gap is is falling um, uh, uh, rapidly for the government. So that, I think, would be a very popular measure. So hard, hard to see why he would not do that. Yes. OK, well, finally, Tom, for today, uh, if there is an area where we might get some big news, might get some big news, it's pensions. <laughs> we, how often do we say this? Ahead of, ahead <laughs> every year. Budget? Yeah, every single year. <laughs> um, now, there have been various stories recently about how the government might attempt to keep older people in the workforce for longer. That has been a problem in the UK, almost uniquely in the UK versus other countries since the pandemic. Um, There have been various proposals involving tweaking the pension systems to do this. There could be a change to the lifetime allowance to allow people to save more overall into a pension or to keep more within a pension overall. Uh, There could be changes to something called the money purchase annual allowance that's the limit which is imposed if you withdraw money for a pension and there might even be a faster rise in the state pension age uh, which would be a bit bit more of a stick than a carrot in order to make people work longer so I guess the question is will any of that happen Uh, and if they do happen will they solve this problem well I mean I think all of those are are distinctly possible uh, and and just focusing on that that money purchase uh, annual allowance mm-hmm. so that that's that's quite dramatic i mean when you're working you can save 40,000 uh, pounds into a pension and then as soon as you um um uh, tap into your 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 pension um uh, that allowance drops from 40,000 to 4,000 pounds until quite recently, it was ten thousand pounds. So it's gone, it's gone yeah. very low recently, and that's a massive disincentive to people if they are considering going back into work because the pension contributions from your employer are, you know, part of the overall package, part of the overall incentive to go back into the workforce. Yeah, and it's the, the reality of how people's sort of earnings profile changes through their life is that we'd all love to think that people are saving from the age of 21 or something, but the reality is they, they probably don't save early enough and then they shovel lots of lo- large amounts at the end of their career when maybe their costs fall, their earnings are obviously high at that point. Um, that That's what they do. This money purchase annual allowance, it basically kicks in once you've taken taxable money out of your pension. Correct. You can take the 25% tax-free cash out without triggering it, but if you do trigger it, suddenly you can pay in a lot less. Now, is that the whole reason why people aren't working? Probably not. But, you know, maybe it's a factor, maybe it's a nudge. Yeah, I think it's at the margin. I think you're right that I, I think if, if people have, um, you know, left the workforce maybe during the pandemic they've decided they they've had enough is that really going to make the difference at the margin it might it might swing a few people's decisions but i think it probably doesn't doesn't solve the problem but i think some of the others would be really very welcome an increase in the lifetime allowance that's been frozen for for many yeah. years uh, at just over a million well it's, it's fair to say isn't it tom i mean it's it's that aspect of the pension system is completely different than a generation ago yeah. but when you know even when I first started being aware and writing about pensions it was much 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 higher you know yeah. um, a higher cash amount of course in inflation adjusted terms much higher still so yeah. yeah well it wasn't really a limit back then yeah. I mean because most people didn't get anywhere near it whereas now a lot of people do and mm. and as we've discussed uh, here here before you know a million pounds sounds like a lot of money but in terms of the income that you can generate from a million pounds it's no more than £40,000 a year, probably. Um, not a king's ransom, really. Yeah, yeah and, and similarly, you know, is that, you know, accounting for all of the the sort of uh, 
the workforce changes that we've seen, probably not. I mean, there's the thing that's always highlighted here is uh, the medical profession probably applies elsewhere as well. But but essentially, they have a final salary scheme for their pension. For the purposes of the lifetime allowance, I'm not going to get into it, but basically they're very badly affected once they hit the lifetime allowance. It, it becomes l- much less valuable to them to work at all yeah. because they're not, not only, you know, they'll earn money, but they won't be increasing their future entitlements to a pension. So that mm. that might be something that would be, you know, solve a specific problem uh, with with the medical profession. Yes, and I don't think that the government would target a, a particular profession in that way. I think if they were going to make the change, they'd make it across the board. That yeah. would be a fairer way of doing it. And, and just finally, on the state pension age, I don't actually expect any kind of big change around the state pension age um, next week, but he may point to a review of the state pension age, which is due to report, I think, in May. Watch this space on pension uh, state pension ages. At the moment, I think from twenty twenty eight, it's going to rise to sixty seven. That probably won't change. The rise to sixty eight was going to be in twenty forty something. Mm. That's the one they might pull. That forward. might come forward ten yeah. years or so. Yeah. yeah, and and no one would really notice now. They will I when it notice. happens. <laughs> you would notice, <laughs> would yes, because you were born in the seventies. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. nineteen eighty actually. Oh, yeah, I mean, we'll see on the pension stuff. I mean, but we always we always talk about these pension changes coming down the line. Normally, they don't. But then, when you know, I, I remember the big changes that came along a few years ago were pension freedoms. Mm. They were they were not leaked or pre-announced. They just came no, along. A big surprise. Yeah, twenty fifteen. So, yeah. Yeah. So let's let's see. I mean, I, I suspect this this particular issue of um, older people work leaving the workforce. I think it's probably a myriad of different reasons behind it. I think the the lockdown. Had, had a big part to play. I think lots of people basically, it's a, it's a curious and, and, you know, unwelcome thing to say often, but actually some people had a good pandemic when it came to their finances. Their earnings carried on, their outgoings fell completely. I think lots of people built savings in that period of time and then suddenly brought their retirement plans a lot sooner. Couple that with the lifestyle changes around being at home, this more kind of home-based life. Maybe that explains this change in workforce plans maybe yeah yeah i i, I think you're right i think it's, it's it's a it's a far more complicated problem uh, than will be solved by just a, a tweak of the pension indeed. rules indeed okay well tom uh we shall see what happens next week uh you won't be here next week to talk about it but we shall um no doubt pick it up the week after and pick the bones out of whatever the chancellor did say tom for now thanks for joining me thanks Ed. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast 
podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.